I'm Kevin. I'm glad you guys are here. Um, I'm going to give a couple of announcements. We're going to go into a short period of prayer. Um, but just to let you know, especially right now, I just want to reiterate our COVID process. Um, we're just encouraging folks. That's why there's actually quite a few folks not here today because the sniffles have been going around. If you're feeling any symptoms at all, we're just encouraging you to stay home, get better, make sure you take care of yourself. So that goes, you know, for everybody here. We also want to let you know we do still have an overflow room next door where you can spread out a little bit more and we're still online so you're not going to miss anything um, but we want to make sure we keep things healthy around here um, also yesterday it's hard to tell because the leaves have already fallen and covered up all of our work from yesterday but we had 18 people here yesterday for winter activities outside so that was a, that was a lot of great work so everybody who was part of that thank you um, also um, we're going to be starting our parking lot work on Monday and Tuesday. So this parking lot is going to be refinished in a lot of ways. And so parking next Sunday and maybe even the following Sunday is going to be affected. So we are still going to have parking down below. We're going to try to keep one lane going down. But when you show up next week, just know that that's going to be blocked off. Um, we're going to also be, we can park on the street and all that kind of stuff. So make sure you're not surprised by that when you show up. Children's ministry, Tom, we up and functioning today. So nursery through fifth grade is functioning. They're going to be downstairs. If you have any questions, ask Tom Wheaton there in the back, and he can make sure that you get to the right places with your kiddos. Um, but we're pretty excited. That's been pretty consistent over the last couple of weeks to make sure that we can have a place for our kids to go. Also, um, next week we're going to have kind of a mini pseudo-business meeting. We are really, really close to paying off our mortgage, which is really exciting. And so a lot of times as leaders, we want to make sure we invite you guys in to that conversation and that process. A lot of times we just do things um, and we're realizing over the years that we want to make sure that we are very involving in that, in that step. So if you're interested in what that looks like, we've had a lot of folks just say, hey, I want to be part of that. I don't really know what it looks like. Well, next Sunday, the 31st, following the service, just a really quick get together. We'll share exactly where we're at and what that's looking like. So if you want to be part of that at all come next week. And then lastly, um, this has been a heavy morning for us. Um, I was woke up pretty early this morning just with what's going on with John Fitzsimmons. I know that we've been praying for him. Um, he's in a bad place right now. And so the family this morning was asked to come and be by his bedside because they don't anticipate him making it much longer. And so we have been praying. We've been at the hospital. We've been praying for him, but I also want to make sure that right now we just stand up and we seek a miracle from the Lord on his behalf, his, fa his family's behalf. So if you guys would just join me, stand up, raise your hands this way, and we're going to pray for John, Amy, and the boys together. Father God, we come to you because you are a God of miracles. You are a God that cares deeply about us. Right now we lift up John. We lift his body. We lift this pneumonia that is ravaging his lungs, Father, we pray right now that you would just send miracles to him, that you would heal him in a way that only you can, Father. Pray that you would surround him with angels and that you would bring him peace and comfort in a way that is not understandable. Father, I pray for Amy and the boys. I know their hearts are anxious and there's an amazing amount of fear right now. I pray that you would show them where you're at right now in the midst of this. But above all things, Father, we pray that you would heal him. We come to you and we know that you can and we just beg of you right now to heal this man's body. 
We pray these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Let your glory fall as you respond to us. Spirit rain, flood into our thirsty hearts again. You'll come, you'll come, you'll come. Let's make this a prayer. The chains be broken, lives be healed, and the eyes be Christ is revealed. And chains be broken. And chains be broken. Lives be healed. And the eyes be open. And Christ is revealed. your glory fall as you respond to us. Spirit rain, flood into our thirsty hearts again. And you'll come, and you'll come. You'll you, Lord, do that work in our hearts, God, do those miracles in John's life for the family, God, be glorified here in Jesus' name, amen. So mornings like this put me in a lot of different directions. Um, incredibly excited for what's coming. Lives being transformed, obedience, people standing up, sharing their testimonies, to praying for a brother and their family who are in the midst of crisis. And so oftentimes, like I ask, like, what, do you change things up? Uh, and for this morning, I really think this message speaks very boldly to us making sure we don't change things up. That this gospel message is what brings us the assurance to know that Jesus is our God, that there is no alterations. So as we get going in Galatians, I think for us, this continues to be, for me, a, it's a really interesting study. Like this verse we were talking about, I don't know if you guys know this, but every week in our elders' meetings, we process what it is that we're going to be praying about. And a lot of times I get a lot of feedback, and we give a lot of feedback. And I read the verse, talked a little bit about where I was going. I said, well, what do you guys think? Crickets. <laughs> like, he was like, 
I don't know. I mean, I don't know what you do with some of this. So this morning for me was, um, was a bit of a challenge because normally um, these guys don't really hesitate to tell you what they think. And, and yet this morning um, there wasn't a lot of input. And yet in that it was pretty excited to see where the Lord revealed this morning for us. So as we go through this, we are walking through verse by verse, making sure that we allow the context the, the small and the big parts of God's word to impact us. It doesn't allow us to skip over sections like this where on your first glance you might say, I don't, I don't get what that means. I don't really understand the relevance to it. But I want you to open up your Bibles. If you don't have them, you can read behind. We also have a Bible app that if you want to go to that, you can go to the events section and you can go into there and follow along. We've got announcements and basically like a bulletin in there so that you can keep track of where we're heading. But let's read this together. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, which is his Hebrew word, Peter is his Greek word name, Cephas is Peter, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace that had been given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. All while they asked that we would just continue to remember one thing, and that is the poor. The very thing that I was eager to do all along. So when you read this verse, it's an interesting section of scripture. Uh, it might cause you to wonder why. Like, why is this going to be important to us? What does it really mean for me specifically? And I think these are the questions that we have to ask every time we open up the Bible. Every time we dig in, we have to be asking, how does this relate? How does this um, apply to who I am as a person trying to move through this word? So as you study scripture, we're going to dig into this. We're going to answer the whys. We're going to address the whats so that you'll understand clearly what the implications are for you today. But before we do that, I want to review a little bit. So just make sure you know where we're at. So if this is your first time here, Galatians is one of those cool books. It's written by Paul. We, we see very clearly in here what his theme is. We understand some of his main points very quickly and how he's broken it apart into three sections. So the overall theme of Galatians is this. It is to remind Jesus's followers to embrace the gospel message of the resurrected Messiah. That the good news justifies all people through faith in Jesus Christ and empowers them to live like Jesus did through the power of his Holy Spirit. All we need is Jesus. Jesus is the only means, he is the only cure, he is the only one that can rescue us. Paul is trying to make this abundantly clear, that there's nothing that you can do on your own, because if there were, you would have been able to do it. But yet in our world, we tend to try to make things about us. We try to make sure that I can get this done. Paul is saying you can't do anything. It is only by the grace of Jesus Christ and God that you can be saved. Galatians is also a declaration of liberation for all who have been weighed down with their sins, failures, and sufferings, right? Who has ever felt that way? 
I mean, we all make mistakes. We all go through this difficulty. And every day brings different opportunities through the challenges uh, for us to choose Jesus. It also shows us that there's a quality, and we'll dig into that a little bit more in this message, that there's an equality that comes through salvation. He says in Galatians 3, 28, there is no longer Jew or Greek. There's no longer slave or free. There's no longer a delineation between male and female. For all are one in Christ Jesus. Galatians urges us to act with self-giving love, being filled with the Holy Spirit and really fueled by this gospel of grace in everything that we do. That's the theme. Here's how it's broken down. So we're, we're right now on the tail end of chapter 2. So we're in the first section where Paul's really making sure that he identifies what the gospel is and makes it very clear there's no other gospel. Stop looking around. Stop being confused. Stop allowing this culture or social media or the news to try to get you to think that there's something else out there. No, it's, it's established. It is the gospel. Paul also talks about his authority. He needs to make sure that people know that what he's saying is true. And that's why he took this trip to Jerusalem, to bring more affirmation to who he was. How you were made right with God is really a lot of what this first section talks about. Making sure that we understand to be justified, like I said before, only comes through Jesus. And then section two, it really identifies what it looks like to be part of God's family. It helps us to understand that you're welcome. Everyone is welcome into, to be able to partake in God's grace. And then lastly, it shows us what it means to live as members of God's family. So now that you're children and you've been justified, the father has some expectations. He wants you to understand what that looks like as you move through life. So these are the three sections. We're not going to get through them probably until maybe May-ish. So we're going to go through this slowly and make sure that we continue to pull out what God wants us to know. Today, we're looking at just a couple of verses. Verses 6 through 10. We're going to break them apart into five sections. I'm breaking the traditional three-section rule today, but they'll be brief, and you'll be able to understand what these implications mean for you. The first one is, what does it mean to be held in high esteem? What does it look like to move through with or without favoritism? The fact that Paul says they added nothing, they did nothing for me. What does that mean? Is that, is that him being prideful and arrogant and kind of being a little boastful or not? The unique focus of God's calling, making sure that we address what that is in this section, but then what does that look like for you personally? And then the pillars of the faith, the confirmation that is given in this, this, this agreement that comes through the apostles in Jerusalem to Paul, and how they hand him fellowship through the process. And then last, he throws in this really quirky verse, don't forget the poor people. We'll, we'll understand why that is important. But the first section, I pulled this out of the Amplified Version. I, I like going to this because it, it adds a little extra flavor and color and understanding to what it is that's going on. So Galatians 2.6, this is just the first part of it. It says this, But from those who were of high reputation, whatever they were in terms of individual importance does not make any difference to me. God shows no partiality. He is not impressed with positions that people hold, nor does he recognize the distinction such as fame and power. How difficult is that for us in our culture? 
Who are the people that we put in these high positions? We don't know anything about them. We don't know their character, but because of what they do, maybe on the movie screen or somewhere else, we put them into this position of high esteem, and then we actually value and shape our opinions based upon what they say. Dangerous, right? But what he's saying here is there is no favoritism in God's economy. We're not going to look at positions. We're going to look at the truth. We're going to examine what the word of God truly says. We want to make sure that what is being told fits the narrative, the context, and the letters that Paul has written. So we understand in this, Paul is kind of going through some stuff, right? He's trying to figure out now what does it look like to minister to a group of people he's never even hung out with. He was actually so murderous against this group of people that he was trying to track them down and imprison them and then and, and kill them to silence the gospel. And now he's been called to that very group. Now imagine what he's trying to work through because he had grown up in a way that he knew the law. He understood what it was. He was molded in such a way that the culture made him into the man that he was. He had memorized the Pentateuch by the time he was 12. That's the first five books of the Bible. Anyone here done that? I, it's No, I mean, goodness gracious, getting through Leviticus? That would be brutal. But that was the nature of how he's come. And he grew up also in a culture where being esteemed, having a position, meant everything. You held that position and you could tell people you had power, you had control, you dictated what was going on around you, and Paul was trying to fight free from that. And that, that was still part of who he was, right? And we all have that tension. We all have that old self, that old stuff that we're constantly trying to break out of, but does still keep creeping back into our lives. I mean, I got that every day. I'm still so performance-oriented in what I do that I think that I can earn God's favor and he'll love me more. I mean, that's just, just being honest. That's, that's what I battle with. Even though I'm preaching you to this morning, I can't do that. Uh, there is no favoritism based upon me doing a good job up here or not. I will walk off of this and God will love me equally. I could bomb this morning. Guess what? God still loves me. You guys might have bombed this morning. You might have done something. Maybe you had an argument on the way over here. How often does that happen? You can't get out of the house quick enough. Right? It's just, it's tense. But we're not gauged upon those things anymore. And that's what Paul is trying to make sure we understand. He was also battling with this acceptance. Making sure that people accepted who he was. Right? Sounds familiar. New job, new position. You move, you're trying to do something new. You want people to get who you are. You want them to appreciate what you know and what you bring. But in God's economy, again, that's not what it is. He finds pleasure in you because of who you are and not what you do. He still wants us to do things, but the things we do do not bring more pleasure. He is totally and completely in love with you because of who you are and not what you do. There is an equality that comes, and we want to model that after what Christ Jesus did. And I love this verse in Philippians where it says, um, Christ basically came and he let go of himself as God so that he could make himself a servant. I mean, we're talking about the creator of all things, putting him in a position of being a servant, washing the feet of people. This is the creator of the universe. And so Paul is now starting to see this in a whole new way, understanding truly what power and authority looks like, and it's different from what it used to look like. 
We can see this even unraveling more in Romans. And, and, and he talks about don't consider yourself more highly than you ought to, but with sober judgment. I mean, I want you to soberly judge yourself. Don't judge other people, judge yourself. And, and we can see this is Paul's first book that he's writing, his first letter. And we can see as he matures through it how he becomes even more confident by the time he gets to a place like Romans and other letters. He's like, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He doesn't necessarily say that in Galatians, but we see that now in Romans. He's like, he's not having to tell people as much of the authority that he has. He's just like, the gospel is all that it is. So, implications for us. Just as Paul had to embrace his history, I want you to embrace your own. Your story. Just like Paul makes you unique, different from everyone else in this room. We all come from somewhere. And if you're like me, that, that journey has been difficult. And it's sometimes embarrassing to share where it is that we've come from. But that has shaped who I am now as a servant of God. Embrace your past. It doesn't disqualify you. God is the one that qualifies you through his grace. So allow him to use who you are and how you've come to him. His struggle to be accepted. To be known as a follower of Jesus. I want all of you to know today that if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're accepted by him. You are part of his amazing family. You are found equal to everyone in this room. There is an equality that comes through salvation that we all have. I might be up here preaching, doesn't make me any more important than you and what God has called you to. God does not have favorites in his salvation. When he died on the cross, he died for all. He died for all who would accept him as, as Lord and Savior. And there was no favoritism. It, his grace was sufficient to cover all of that. So the implications is for us to move that same way, to make sure that when we interact with the people around us, we recognize where we fit and how we should be responding based upon who he says that we are. So that's just the first part of six. Now the second part says this. It says, those who are with who were of reputation, they contributed nothing to me. Now, you can read this a lot of different ways. And I, the first time I read it, I kind of thought he was being a little snarky, you know? Like, they didn't, they didn't add anything to me. You know, I figured it all out. But what he's really saying here is he's saying, I went, I met, I met with Paul, I met with Peter, I met with James, and I met with John. And as I met with them, nothing changed. They didn't add anything to the gospel message of what our conversations were having. Now, if I were to sit down, say I sit down with Brayden and Alan, we start talking about youth group stuff, right? And they start throwing some things out that maybe might change the gospel, then I'm going to sit down with them and say, let's not change the gospel. And vice versa. They need to hold me accountable to the same thing. We want to make sure that as we're moving, we have those same conversations that Paul had with the apostles in Jerusalem to assure that we're not changing stuff. I think this is incredibly important because what it does is he comes out of it and he says, nothing was added. Like, nothing. So what he was preaching to the Gentiles was exactly the same that was being preached to the Jewish folks in Jerusalem. They didn't change anything. And that's important because there's the Judaizers that are in the area of Galatia that are coming. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're probably saying things like, well, back in Jerusalem, this is how we do it there. Paul now is able to sit down and attest to know nothing has changed. Nothing has been added. There are no new requirements upon you. We know that this is important because he addresses this in Galatians 1.6. 
he is astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, that there is another one. He's frustrated with the people of Galatia because they are now being bewitched. They are now being put into confusion. They are now trying to add things to what he had placed. So this is really important. There was nothing added. I started doing some research. And it's just funny to me because we are so litigious in how we do things, right? We've got to have laws for everything. And I started looking. You know how many new laws? New. New requirements. Just this year in the state of Colorado. 169. Almost 170 new laws. Who can tell me one of the new laws? Leo, come on back there. I'm just kidding. I don't even know. Actually, I was looking at it, and there's like, and they broke it down. Here's the 10 that every Colorado must know. And I was like, I don't even know the 10. It was crazy. So we are in a place where things every year continue to be added. We also look at the United States. Do you know how many statutes we have right now that Congress has passed since 1789? 30,000 statutes. Goodness gracious. I mean, we know some of them, right? Like, don't kill people. I don't know what the statutes are. But there's 30,000 of them out there that are helping us to live in such a way that puts us where this government wants us to be, to manage things. And I, I couldn't even find out how many rules there are in the IRS. <laughs> I dug, I went down this rabbit hole and I had to stop about 45 minutes into it because they don't even know. There's like not even a number out there that says these are the amount of pages and here's the specific amount of rules in the IRS. Well, guess where Paul comes from? Paul comes from an environment where there were 613 laws found in the Torah. There were a group of them that were positive and a group that were negative. Positive being do these things, negative being don't do these things. And so he was watching how the, the Pharisees were taking these laws and they were utilizing them to control the people around him. And they would modify these laws, they would discuss these laws, they would add different things to these laws. That's where Paul was coming from. He was coming from an environment where rules, regulations, and requirements were all around the Jewish people and the Pharisees. And now, he doesn't have that. <laughs> and so he's trying to figure out, what does this look like for me? So the implications for us in this, I think this is big. The gospel did not change. The gospel is not changing, and the gospel will not change. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The implication for you is to deeply, accurately, and honestly embrace the gospel. Don't try to change it to fit the culture. Don't modify it to fit your agenda or maybe your lack of biblical understanding. Don't attempt to make it palatable or less offensive because we know that the gospel will create something in people. We know that the Holy Spirit from John 16 is actively moving in our lives as believers. He's our counselor, but in those who aren't believers, he's trying to convict them of sin and bring them to a point of repentance. 1 Corinthians 2, 15 and 16 says this, For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death to the other, an aroma that brings life. So just the, you walk into anywhere and you just mention the name of Jesus and it's a group of non-believers, it's going to evoke something. You go in and you talk about Buddha or Islam, it doesn't. Why is that? 
There is a power here that exists, and there is no reason for us to try to modify or change this. The gospel is the key to salvation. Why would we ever think to change God's design? Why would we ever try to create a new solution to sin? Why would we ever think that the gospel that is intended to rescue us should be modified based upon how we feel and how we're interacting with the world around us? We should take the same approach as Paul and the apostles. Change nothing. Verse 7 and 8. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For those, for God, who was at work with Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work with me as an apostle to the Gentiles. So, just to make sure we reiterate this, back then they, dis- they determined differences based upon circumcision. And circumcision, Donovan and I were talking about this just the other day, it's kind of weird how we talk about this. Well, I'm going to tell you, it basically refers to God's chosen people. So circumcision was something that set them apart so that they would be identifiable in every aspect. Uncircumcised refers to just the Gentiles. So there's a Jewish group that Peter is going towards. There's the uncircumcised Gentile group that Paul is going towards. So there are two different sections here. And I love the focus. He entrusted them with each a task and a project. It is to be given a direction, an area of influence, a calling that is unique and very specific. So we look at it really closely. This is the same God. It's the same gospel. But in this case, there's two expressions. And both are equally important. Both are equally part of God's plan. One was to the Jews. The other was to the Gentiles. Is one more right? Is one more important? No. They both are necessary and part of what God's plan is. But how often do we start thinking that it is that way? I I look at all the different areas of ministry that we have in and around us. There's times even today that we might, in our area of focus, the unique place that God has placed us, think that we're less significant. Maybe we don't get the notoriety. Maybe we don't get the announcements up front as much as that next group does. Is there anything listed here that's less important than the other? So we've all been called to specific areas. We've all been called even to specific groups of people to make sure that we take what it is that God has put upon us, just like Paul, just like Peter, to go forth, don't change anything, make sure we now take that gospel to that very unique and specific group of folks. We have to be careful. We have to realize that we're all part of one body accomplishing the same goals. And and I know that in the church sometimes we start thinking that. We start thinking, well, how come Donovan gets to travel to Kenya? Let's well, just where God's placed him. I always get frustrated that the Black family took all the musical prowess from me. You know, it's just not fair. But no, that's where God's called them. God's called me somewhere different, and He's called you somewhere very specific as well. So making sure that you identify what that is. He wants you to be an influence in the area that you move. Be the child of the living God in your sovereignly assigned location with the people that only you may be called to reach. So implications here. I want you to be gracious. I want you to look around. I want you to celebrate other people's successes. We're going to rejoice when people succeed. We're going to mourn with people who don't. We're not going to laugh at them and go, I would have done it better. No, we are together in this. 
We want to move together in such a way that we have that grace to extend to the people around us and encourage them. Be steadfast in your calling and make sure that you're constantly asking yourself, where, God, have you sovereignly placed my ministry? I want you guys to pause for a moment. I want you to close your eyes. Look down. Don't look around. And I want you to think about your world. Think about the places that you go, the people that you see, the locations, the experiences, the smells. Think about your last couple of days. Where have you been? Who have you interacted with? What have you done? Take a picture of that and open your eyes. Look around this room. Look around at everyone else. A lot of people in this room. No one has the exact same picture that you just created in your brain. Nobody. Only now there, there might be some similarities. You might cross paths like we cross paths here. But there is no one else out there that has that uniqueness that you have. Nobody who has been wired. Nobody who has the history. Nobody who has the experience that you have. That picture that you put into your brain is a picture that God has created for you. That's your sovereignly placed people. And that's what the implications are for you. And that's where I want you to move. Verse 9. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So here we see now clearly Paul's very understood respect of the apostles. He affirms their position as the pillars. I mean, he was before saying, you know, it doesn't matter who they are individually, but now he makes sure that he says, these are the pillars. This is the foundation. This is where God had started this. Paul now being an apostle is becoming part of that pillar, part of that foundation. And it's important because what it says here is he received from them the following. So you can't receive something from someone who's not in a position to give. So they had something that he required in this process. They were only group around that could provide this blessing to him. It was an agreement, it was a recognition, and it was the right hand of fellowship. So as we move, some of the points in this that are important. I've been a pastor for a really long time. And my wife jokes with me about this because I got this sniff test. Like, you're going to give me something to eat, oftentimes I'll sniff it. I'm like, you know why? Because I've eaten bad stuff before. Or I go out to eat with some people and it's too spicy, I might die. It's just not good. Or sometimes I'll be sniffing the clothes that come out of the dryer because there's been a few times where I've left it in the, the laundry too long and it gets that soury smell. I got a sniff test. It's important to me. I also believe that I have a sniff test, spiritually speaking. That when we look through what it is that people are bringing to us, situations, I believe that the apostles and Paul also had a sniff test in this interaction. They looked to each other. They had conversation around what was going on. This is big stuff right here. They sniffed it out and they said, we're good. It smells right. So part of this for us is making sure that we do the same thing that Paul does. When we move through this world, it is important to receive confirmation from godly and biblically discerning people. 
Don't do anything in this world without asking those questions. Make sure you find those people in your lives who have the sniff test. If you don't know who they are, find them. There's a lot of them in this room. There's a lot of people here right now that can sniff stuff out. So we want to make sure that we do that. The significance of godly counsel to recognize truth is huge. That's why every week as elders, we sit down and we talk through this stuff. Bless you. But I want to make sure that there's a sniff test that I'm bringing. Like if I'm bringing this and, and Gus or Sean or Donovan, Mike, Tom, any of them, Jeff, Jeff's got a great sniff test. And, and they're all different, right? And so to utilize this difference allows everything that we bring to run through that filter of recognizing truth. And then in the end, what they did was they provided a blessing of joy where they extended the right hand of fellowship. The aspect for, the, for us, confirm with the right people. Don't just go to people that are going to tell you what you want to hear, right? I, mean, I do that all the time. You know, there's people that I know like me, and they'll just pat me on the back and be like, go get them, Kev. But even as, as ministry expands in the area of chaplaincy, you know, those are some significant areas. I ask the people around me, am I being stupid? Is this dumb? Am I on the right track? I really trust what it is that they have to say. Make it a non-negotiable to confer with a spiritual leader that is a place in a position of godly authority within your life. Find someone that has an obvious and clear spiritual nose for God's stuff. Seek out that confirmation, that godly recognition, and the blessing moving forward with that hand of favor. So there's nuggets in here. Like, he's given us a lot of cool stuff. He's led us to this point where I, I, I think it's pretty fun. I'm, I get energized when I start thinking about this, about moving through my world. And then he throws this verse 10 and says this. All they asked, so this, this wasn't an addition, but all they did ask of him is that he would continue to remember the poor. And Paul's response was, whew, good. The very thing I had been eager to do all along. Why is this here? Well, I'll tell you why it's here for me. Because if you're like me, I can tend to go out and become pretty focused on the things that I'm doing and forget God's heart. I can forget what it is that he's called us all to be part of. Those who are poor, those who are less advantaged, those who have needs, those who might be physically or intellectually challenged, those who are poor need our attention. And as you go off in your areas, whether it be work, as work is your area of ministry, or you're going to school, or you're working in some different area, never forget. This is like that bookend right here. He wants you to excel, and he wants you to succeed, and he wants you to be motivated and passionate, but don't forget what he's saying. So even as you're moving, figure out ways to pull people in, the least of his people in, so that you don't forget. Because it's easy sometimes. You can get big. You can start doing some cool things. And what Paul wants to make sure and what the apostles want to make sure, and what God wants to make sure, is we don't forget. So the implications here are big. One of them is the reminder of the rich young ruler in Mark 10, 21, who was doing all the stuff right and came to Jesus. He was actually probably coming pretty proud. He's like, look what I'm doing. Like, look at all this stuff I'm accomplishing. And Jesus' response to him was, well, that's great and all, 
but you've forgotten something pretty important. So what I want you to do is I want to take all of what you possess. I want you to sell it and give it to the poor. And was that what he wanted to hear? Not at all. And so God is passionate about making sure we take care of people. So even as the rich young ruler kind of resonates with us in a pretty affluent world, we live in Golden, I mean, look around this place, pretty nice. We all got stuff to a degree. Let's make sure that as we move and we do God's work, we don't forget the less advantaged in our lives. So to summarize this, a little more in there than, than we thought, huh? Did you guys read that this week? Donovan was like, I'm sorry, you got that section. Sorry about that. Um, it was not bad, right? A couple good points. So as we summarize this stuff, I, I want you guys to dig in. I want you to go back and read this. I want you to continue to read it. Terry, did you read Galatians this week? Dang it. Next week. So as we're moving through Galatians, this is what we're doing as a, as a body. I want us all to be reading it so that next week and as we move forward, we're talking about this stuff. So this, this week moving forward, we're going to transition into verse 11. But read 6 through 10 and allow that to be part of your conversations in your life groups, in your youth group, in anywhere that we're moving so that we're all on the same page with what it is that God's speaking to us. Amen? All right. So now, the moment we've been waiting for. So we're going to do some baptisms. This is, we're going to actually have to do more um, because we had a, a pretty good group of folks cancel because of COVID and sicknesses and other things and travel. So we're going to baptize two people today, Brian and Leo. If you guys would please come forward. This is exciting for me because Holt, he's ready to rock and roll. Um, I don't know if you guys realize this, but baptism is it's significant because it puts you in a position of obedience. It puts you in a place where you really have to stand before people and profess what you believe. And it's transformational, right? And so these guys were followers of Jesus. I've known them both for a while. Their lives are examples of that, the way that they live, the way that they do things. Um, but today for them, they've made a decision to come forward, and, and so they, they both kind of are along in their journey with Christ, but in that just realize, i got to do this. God's calling me to be obedient, and so I have to be obedient. And so after this, we're going to go down to the creek. We're going to be right at Lions Park, right across from Lions Park. There's that big beachy area just to the west of the baseball fields. I checked. It's deep enough. You're going down. <laughs> well, it's kind of lower. It's a little, little lower right now, so... Um, we're going to let Brian share first, then Leo's going to share, and then I'm going to pray over both of them. Hi, I'm Brian. This is my testimony. When I was 17 years old, I was having lots of problems, which led me, which led to me getting arrested and going to jail on my 18th birthday. They told me took me to Jeffco Jail, and I was pretty scared. After I was released from jail, I was living many different places due to my actions towards my mom. She would not let me live with her anymore. My dad was not the answer to this problem. Due to him, 
not being a part of my life for the last 15 years due to his selfishness. I found a good home that I thought was a good, real good fit. I felt I, that like I was provoked a few months ago, the owner decided it was time for me to leave. They found a temporary place called Behavioral Health Solution Center helped me have a better attitude and think positive. I think the Lord Jesus was telling me to get control of my temper, which is leading to leading me to my decision to get baptized. My reason to get baptized is I want to be obedient to the Lord and tell everyone that Jesus is my Savior and want to follow him with all my decisions and have become more respectful man as he is slowly changing my life. Did it. Good job. Yeah. Just stand over there. Yep. You Good guys, morning. Hold on. You guys don't know Leo. Um, Leo is a chaplain with me and Travis in the back, serving with Rocky Mountain Police Chaplains. Uh, he's our Park County chaplain. So this is pretty cool for me. Um, I remember the first time I met Leo was in a restaurant. We had breakfast together. Five years. Five years ago. And so we've been journeying together. He represents not only Park County, but about three or four different um, fire agencies in that in that 285 area. He's an incredible man, and so for him to be here and share this with us is, is huge for me. So thank you. Thank you. Good morning. How's everybody? Good? We're good? We're about down on our coffee. We're ready to get coffee again. I'm going to need it after I get in that <laughs> creek. I came down from Bailey because I figured the water would be warmer here, but I'm really fooling myself. Uh, and the reason I'm down here is because actually Kevin has been my pastor for the last five years. The church that we attend, which we've attended for a long time, we've had a lot of transitions in pastors, and we have a brand new one. So for me to come here and share, I wanted Kevin to dunk me in the water. I think he's going to hold me down a little longer. I'm not sure. But. So why am I doing this? I'm 63 years old. I've been a Christ follower since I was a little kid. I grew up Catholic, so... I got the water on my forehead. I don't remember. Somebody said I was there. But I gave my life to the Lord when I was in high school. And through all these years, God has been with me. And I distinctly remember my parents telling me, we showed you who God was. It was up to you to find him and follow him for yourself. And so in the last 63 years, that's what I've done. And when I look at that, I realize that there was a part of my life that I wasn't that obedient in, and that was baptism. I know you don't have to have it to go to heaven, but it's a sign of obedience. And so if I'm to lead and mentor others, especially our first responders, then shouldn't I be obedient? The answer is yes. And so over the last, I can't even tell you how long now, he keeps pecking at you. That Holy Spirit tells you, hey, when are you going to get in that water? When are you going to be obedient? So today's the day. And I can tell you who Jesus is to me 
in the last 34 and a half years I served as a law enforcement officer and been married 35. Jesus means everything to me because through that journey of work and marriage, he has been in my life. Even when I didn't want him there, even when I didn't want to be disobedient, he was there. And so he means everything to me every day, 24-7. So Kevin told me he had to write something down. I'm not really good at doing He's this. I'm a talker. I'm a so so I, there, like Kevin just said, I could sit up here for a long time and tell you what he's done and how he's impacted my life, but I will tell you that he impacts my life every day, especially when I meet first responders, especially when I meet new believers, people like me that want to share and do and serve. And so when I do those things, I realize that without him in my life, I'm nothing and nobody. And I've been blessed to have a tremendous career. I've been blessed to become a chaplain and serve. Um, for me, there's no such thing as retirement. It's moving on to the next thing. So that's why I'm here today. So, And I came down here because I've been in this building several times. And I can feel Christ in this room. I can. I can feel him in you. And all I can say is let's just keep moving forward one step at a time. You guys join me as we pray for these two. Father, I thank you. Thank you for Brian. Thank you for his journey, his history, sharing it with us today. Thank you for his obedience to follow you. Father, I thank you for Leo. Thank you for his obedience. That It's tough. You know, you put things off for a long time. It gets harder and harder every day. I know that you are also pleased with his desire to please you today. Father, I pray that this would be a moment that's etched into their hearts and their minds, that you would open up the eyes of their heart to see you in fresh ways because of this. Father, I pray that you would also protect them from the schemes of the enemy that might want, want to tear them down and get them to think that this isn't as important as it is. So, Father, we thank you. It's because of you that we're here. It's because of you that lives have been changed. We thank you that you are our God and you give us opportunity to serve you every day, every moment. Amen. pray a little longer. Okay, let's stand together. We're going to sing three songs here before we head to the creek. Baptism Sundays are always my favorite. Hearing those testimonies.
and know that you are holy and know that you are holy and all will sing out hallelujah and we will cry out hallelujah All the hearts who are content And all who feel unworthy And all who hurt with nothing left Will know that you are holy And know that you are holy And all will sing out hallelujah And we will cry out hallelujah And all will sing out hallelujah And we will cry out hallelujah Go on and tell it to the masses that he is God. Sing that again, shout Shout it. Now go on and stream it from the mountains. Go on and tell it to the That he is God. Sing, shout it. And shout it. And go on and stream it from the mountains. And go on and tell it to the masses. That he is God.
I was buried beneath my shame. And who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb until I met you. And I was breathing but not alive. And all my failures I tried to hide. It was my tomb until I met you. You called my name and I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness into the glorious day. You call my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your glorious day Now your mercy has saved my soul Now your freedom is all that I know. The old made new. Jesus, when I met you, you called my name. I ran out of that grave. Out of the break at the weight of your glory I needed shelter I was an orphan now you call me a citizen of heaven when I was broken you were my healing now your love is the air that I'm breathing I have a future my eyes are open when you call my name
that song. This last one, I heard this come up a few times today. Again, that commitment to every day following him. And so I think for each of us, um, as we're watching these guys get dunked, let's, let's look at that in our own, in our own, how are we can apply this every day? How can we live, how can we live baptized? How can we live free and bold before the Lord? I screwed that up. Let's try that again. My pick fell. Do you see that? So that's what you get for trying fancy little intros. What to say, Lord, it's you who gave me life and I can't explain just how much you mean to me now that you have saved me, Lord. I give all that I am to you that every day I can be a light that shines your name shines your name Cause every day Lord I'll learn to stand upon your word and I pray that I I might come to know you more that you would guide me in every single step I take that but every day I can be a light unto the world every day. It's you I live for every day. I'll follow after you every day. I'll walk with you, my Lord. What to say is what to say, Lord. It's you who gave me life and I can't explain just how much you mean to me now that you have saved me lord i give all that i am to you that every day can be a light that shines your name that shines your name every day lord i'll learn to stand upon your word and i pray that i I might come to know you more That you would guide me In every single step I take that But every day I can Be a light unto the world Every day You I live for Every day I follow after you Every day I walk with you My I live for every day. It's you I live for every day. Let's make that commitment to him. It's you I live for every day. It's you I live for every day. It's you I live for every day. you I live for every day. It's you I live for every day. It's you I live for every day. And every day, 
Every day, it's you I live for. Every day, I follow after you. Every day, I walk with you, my Lord. And every day, every day, it's you I live for. Every day, I follow after you. Every day, I walk with you, my Lord, my Lord. Amen. Amen. God, thanks so much for just these testimonies shared. Lord, thank you for Pastor Kevin digging deep into this truth as well. Lord, in those spheres that you've called us in, the different areas of influence, Lord, help us to be bold, to share your love, to reflect you, to be that light that shines your name. So God, as we go from here, God, we pray your, you know, just your blessing on the rest of the stay over the baptisms. God, again, we ask for your healing on John, your grace for the family in this hard time. Now we pray for a miracle. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great day.